Good morning. At times, a preacher will be all ready to deliver a homily. And then at the last minute, some event takes place that rocks society. And then a decision has to be made on whether to do a rewrite. Well, that's the exact dilemma I faced Friday evening. And thus decided that the news coming out of the Supreme Court was just too important not to address in some balanced fashion. Added to the fact that the gospel today actually plays into this breaking news, making it all the more appropriate. For this week, we are given the story of two daughters who represent the entire spectrum of society, from the impoverished to the privileged. By weaving these two encounters with Jesus together, Mark challenges us with how the healing path for the dying daughter of the privilege is detoured in order to engage the suffering daughter in the crowd. Said another way, that insiders must humbly learn faith from those who are typically scorned as outsiders. So we begin with the story of the well-to-do synagogue official, Jairus, who falls to the ground begging Jesus to spare the life of his daughter. And on the way to his house, Jesus encounters a poor, outcast woman who's been hemorrhaging for years and who seeks to be healed. Let's begin with that unnamed woman. For 12 years, she's been constantly bleeding. Thus, she is ritually unclean. Therefore, anyone who touches her is also unclean. She's filled with shame, humiliation. No one can hold her. No one can touch her. She's lived a lifetime of loneliness and isolation. Truth of the matter is that outsiders are uniquely familiar with the rejection, shame, and scandal we find at the core of today's gospel story. And there's little doubt that many LGBT Catholics can relate to how this woman felt. Let's be honest. In general, our faith has not been the most welcoming to that community in so many ways. A community which has cried out for years for the recognition of their human dignity and value. A community whose faith for decades has had them reaching out to be included. Similar to the faithful woman in the gospel reaching for the cloak of Jesus. But for her, there was only a response of love and reassurance of her actions by Jesus. But this gospel tells us that faith is more than just standing by and hoping and praying. Rather, faith requires action. Faith requires us to take that first step. Yet life can be so overwhelming and confusing that we don't even know where to begin. But yet we need to pause. We need to talk to one another. And more importantly, we need to listen to one another. Black or white, gay or straight, rich or poor and to see how we can better understand each other, understand where we are called to be, and to have the faith to take the first step in that direction. But I think it's the story of the daughter of Jairus that not only affirms this concept of action playing a role in faith, but more importantly tells us what prevents us from taking that first step. Edwina Gately, in her book, Soul Sisters, 
does an incredible job of opening up this gospel story and its cultural context, and thus its deeper meaning. So listen what she has to say. Daughter of Jairus, we don't even know your name, only that of your father whose love for you drove him to his knees. In a culture where men stood aloof and proud, your father, a wealthy CEO, accustomed to giving orders and being in full control, fell and wept before a homeless carpenter. Oblivious of his humiliation, he broke down in public for you and cared for you more than all his dignity and reputation. He held your slender body above his own. That, indeed, is how it should be for the weakest and the smallest. We are all potential parents, gifted with the instinct to care for and protect the little ones of any nation, tribe, or color, those who are different from us. Have we forgotten? Daughter of Jairus, your father risked ridicule to save you. In a culture where female children were ranked beneath donkeys, your father treasured you. He dare cried before a wandering peasant, believing that he carried within him the transformative power of God. The miracle was surely as much in your father as in Jesus, who was moved and struck by such naked faith. It is a faith for which we deeply hunger, yet shun, for it requires us to acknowledge how broken each of us are, and thus requires each of us to fall into the grace of God within us, but yet we are afraid to fall. And there lies the core meaning of today's gospel. Faith requires us to fall from who we think we are, acknowledging all of us are broken in some way. For all of us have the faith that we are still loved by God, who calls us forward to take action and to show love. Richard Rohr, in his book, Eager to Love, writes, Most do not yet live their objective totally given and unearned identity, hidden with Christ and God. This is what saints like France, Francis and Claire allowed, enjoyed, and fell into. It's always a falling. Rather, our core identity in Christ was made into a worthiness contest at which almost no one wins. And so most do not even try, or they just give up early. Francis and Claire totally undermine this contest by rejoicing in their seeming unworthiness. Now, Losers are real winners, and that includes just about everybody. See, it's the same awareness which sent Jairus falling to the feet of Jesus, begging for new life. It's the same heart-rendering realization of the hemorrhaging woman that she was not unclean in the eyes of God, which allowed her to act on her faith, to rise up from her knees and reach out for new life through Christ. And it's the same understanding of the need to honestly live who you are in Christ, which has the LGBT community and others celebrating Friday's court decision. But for those who are uncomfortable or angry with the decision, they can find comfort 
that the First Amendment to the Constitution protects the Catholic Church and other religious communities from being compelled to perform religious services for same-sex spouses. The definition of marriage has not changed for the sacrament of matrimony in the Catholic Church. What took place this past Friday is literally a matter of civil rights. But I assume this court decision will have our church asking some difficult but necessary theological and moral questions in the years to come. So what is the right way to respond to Friday's decision? The Christian response is love. Our own catechism reminds us that we should treat our LGBT brothers and sisters with respect, sensitivity, and compassion. But as we see in today's gospel, God wants more. God seeks faith, and God wants us to love. In his blog post on Friday, Father Jim Martin wrote, Love means getting to know the LBGT men and women and spending time with them and listening to them and being challenged by them, hoping the best for them and wanting them to be a part of your lives every bit as much as straight friends are a part of your lives. Love first, everything else later. In fact, everything else is meaningless without love. This weekend, we're given two gospel stories, covering both ends of the social spectrum. Two people who find themselves in the darkest part of their lives and are yet rewarded when they had the faith to take the first step towards Christ. So as we begin our summer in earnest, I invite you to take some time to reflect on where you are in your own life, of recognizing our need to have the faith to fall into who we really are, hidden in Christ. The same faith that leads us to take positive actions in our lives, actions that will bring light into our darkness, healing to our wounds, and comfort to our souls.